and welcome back to another edition of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast presented by Dream Cricket. I'm your host, Peter Delapena, and on today's episode we have part two of the interview with former USA All-Rounder, current Barbados Royals and West Indies leg spinner Hayden Walsh Jr., in part one of the interview, we talked about Hayden Walsh's journey to first-class cricket and eventually an international debut with USA, and then how that USA career came to an abrupt end over a contract dispute with administration officials in American cricket, and it opened the door for Hayden Walsh Jr. to go to the CPL, where he became player of the tournament in the 2019 edition of the CPL, parlaying that into a call-up to the West Indies squad. We'll talk about that call-up and USA's Hail Mary attempt to try and stop him from leaving the USA setup altogether. We'll also talk about the ups and downs that Hayden has experienced with the West Indies, especially with COVID, which he contracted at the start of the tour to Bangladesh tail end of 2020 that forced him to miss some time on the field and also just quarantine life and bio bubble life in general which Hayden speaks quite eloquently about the struggles that players face being away from home being away from family and just being confined so plenty to cover in this episode but before we get to the interview, I want to recognize the newest Patreon subscriber to the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast, Tim Lowell. Tim is a longtime follower of American cricket, originally from New York. He now lives in Texas where he volunteers as a USA Cricket Volunteer Coordinator. I met Tim at the USA Under-19 National Championships at Prairie View back in April. So, Tim, I appreciate your support coming on board as a Patreon subscriber and a reminder to everybody else who hasn't done so. What are you waiting for? There's all sorts of opportunities on Patreon and subscription levels that you can sign up for to help support the podcast and keep it running on a week-to-week basis. And I think everybody who has already signed up And I also want to thank our sponsors. A reminder that the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast, presented by Dream Cricket, is also sponsored by Musa Cricket Stadium, the first and original turf wicket facility in the state of Texas. For more information, call 713-534-2195. That's Musa Cricket Stadium in Pearland, Texas. And now, part two of the interview with Hayden Walsh Jr. Sandy Vlamichani was drafted as the star spinner, the star leg spinner in particular. And so you actually started the tournament on the bench behind him and you were getting an opportunity to play as a subfielder. And you took, I remember you took a spectacular catch, I believe a backward point as a subfielder that started to get you a bit more on the radar. But until he left for his Nepal commitments, you were not guaranteed a place in the starting 11. So the fact that you had an uncertain situation in Barbados and yet you still prefer that over what was happening in the USA setup at the time. That speaks volumes to me, and I think other people who hear that would also find that fascinating, that that was the atmosphere in the USA environment at the time to lead you to that kind of decision, and it wound up obviously paying off in the end. What, in terms of if there's a specific match, did you feel was a, a turning point in that season in 2019 for Barbados Tridents that helped propel you to go to the heights that you reached in that event leading to a West Indies call? It, it would be the, the match that I got, the five wickets. You know, they, I played a, a couple of games before, but I, I got like two for, but 
the match where I got the five wicket haul, um, that started to propel things. I wasn't at even at that point I wasn't thinking about West Indies. You know, I still I still had USA cricket in the back of my mind because I wasn't thinking about West Indies cricket. I just thought, you know, once I get a, some sort of opportunity in the CPL, me playing franchise cricket amongst the best players in the world and uh, and performing, there there would be a time where USA cricket is going to be like, all right, come and play for us. You know, I didn't think that it would be such a big propulsion but <laughs> but you know it's um yeah it was it was it was that match where I got five wicket haul and then wickets just started flowing and flowing and flowing and then I think it was in Guyana I think we played Guyana when Brandon King got the hundred before that game saw one coming up to me and he was like yo you, I know you play for USA cricket but can you play for West Indies? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, so would you play for West Indies if they pick you? And I was like, yeah, for sure. And then it then is when like West Indies started to turn over in my head. I was like, wow, I really could you know play for West Indies. And then it was still it wasn't like big on the radar, but it was just in the back of my mind. But I was still you know focused on finishing the the tournament and uh, winning winning the tournament but then you know it was after the before the finals either before or after the finals um i spoke to this, the new ceo and you know i had to call him up and i was like you know if weston is call me i'm going to take this call i'm going to take my um my opportunity to go and play for weston is I don't think he was very happy about that call. <laughs> yeah, he was like, you know, you sure you want to take this? You don't want to take it, and then you get benched after uh, one series. And I was like, sorry, oh. this is this is the USA CEO or the West West Indies CEO? USA CEO. So USA CEO. So Ian Higgins calls you Ian up. Ian Higgins, yeah, Ian Higgins. I spoke. I called him, and I was like, you know, it seemed most likely. It seems like West Indies are gonna call me. This was his last ditch sales pitch to try and convince you to stick with yeah. USA. So what what was his sales pitch to try and convince you to stick with USA? Yeah, he was like, well, you know, you don't want to get lost in the system. You don't want to take this opportunity and you get one series and then you get benched and you can't play for USA anymore because, you know, of course, if you play one game for a full full member team, you can't play after yeah so you know and i think at that point I, I was already like my mind i wasn't very interested in you know taking the contract as well so my mind was really off of not completely off but they weren't in my good books <laughs> so so yeah i was like all right i know i know but you know i'm, I'm gonna take this opportunity opportunity and if if it doesn't work out, well, that's that's on me. So yeah, <laughs> that is how I I really like switched over from USA to the West Indies. And for the most part, it has worked out. There's been a few bumps in the road uh, as well, yeah. but you started off, and some of that experience on the batting side with USA helped get West Indies across the line in a match against Ireland, 
40 or 50 run partnership for the for the last wicket. Also, most recently against Australia, there was a gap in there where you were out of the team, but you got a recall against Australia and were a leading wicket taker in that series. What for you has been the favorite part of or the most memorable part of representing the West Indies so far in your career? There, there were a few. Of course, you have the, the one wicket win against Ireland. That was like memorable, especially being on the the tenth anniversary of my father's death. You know, that 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 for me is gonna be like in the top five. The first T twenty against Australia, that's up there. And me getting the five wicket hall. I think that might be my one of my number one. Probably joint number one with Ireland and taking a five wicket hall because you know, I was nowhere near Nowhere near the ODI team, and it so happened that Fabian Allen was hurt. Quite a few guys were hurt, and I remember, <laughs> I remember I was in, I was still in the bubble, and I, they had, there was ODI practice. I didn't go to, to any of the practices, and the night before, the coach messaged me, and he was like, "You're in the team. You're in the team for tomorrow." I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> and still I thought I was in the team so I thought I was just like in the 13 because Fabian Allen was out so I was like okay well Fabian is out and maybe I'm just going to go there as a substitute I went to breakfast the next morning and I was at breakfast and I heard so I was speaking to Jason and Jason was like Hayden like you might play today I was like what? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even have my, I went to the ground and my gear bag wasn't even there. So I was, <laughs> I was warming up in my, I remember warming, warming up in my sneakers, like bowling in my sneakers. And, and I got my got my gear bag and I don't know what happened. I, just, I bowled really well and I got five wickets. <laughs> you know, but me playing that me playing that ODI series, I it was really far away from me. I wasn't nowhere mentally thinking, okay, well, and I may play or I may get five wickets. <laughs> so yeah, it I think that that's that's one of the memorable one of one of the memorable moments for me. This is the first ODI that was at Kensington Oval in Barbados. Back on July 28th, he took five for 39 in that match. One of the things that's remarkable for me about that is from my own memory, being on tour with USA, covering USA in the UAE back in 2019 before the team went to Namibia. You were a net bowler for the Australians. <laughs> oh, yes. You're bowling to Aaron Finch. You're bowling to Peter Hanscom. You're bowling to some of the other guys who were part of that tour. And for me, it was just so remarkable to have witnessed and observed for your career arc to go from being a net bowler for the Australians with the USA team, where again, there's this attitude of associate players are there to be net bowlers for full member players. They're not supposed to compete against full member players. They're not supposed to line up on the opposite side of the field against full member players. And yet two years later, there you are bowling to Aaron Finch and the rest of the Australian team in the T20 series. And then in the ODIs, when you think back to that, in March of 2019, to then 
where you wound up on the opposite side of the field, not being a net bowler, but taking a five-wicket hole against the Australians in an ODI and being the leading wicket-taker against the Australians in a T20I series. What to you is the most remarkable and gratifying part of that journey? I don't know. Like, you know, it's to think about it, it's, it's just so... It's wild. <laughs> it's definitely one of those things that I couldn't tell you, well, yeah, I was going to come ball, be a netball, and I'm going to come and play international cricket for West Indy. I couldn't write that script. It's just to show you, you know, once you put your mind to anything, you can, you know, you can be whatever you want to be. And being in associate cricket, I think that, Everyone in associate cricket, like all the teams, you know, should you know aspire to be at that top level, um, because uh, yeah, it's you know you have your difficulties training and all that stuff, but you know we are all the same people. We're all the same, you know. We have blood, we have tears, you know. We we're made up of the same thing, so you know there isn't to say that. You know, associate cricketers can't compete with full member nations. So I really would like USA to, you know, have that aspiration to be on that level and to not just to be there, but to perform. And, you know, you, you just need that mentality to, to get there. And everyone, it, it, it shouldn't be one person. It should be everyone buying into one system and, everyone wanting to you know go go in the same direction in terms of bumps in the road you were not in the best of form heading into the bangladesh tour at the tail end of 2020 and then you get covid and you spend a significant amount of time outside of the playing 11 and i know in a previous interview you had said you were really really geared up for that tour because you wanted to reestablish yourself as a consistent must pick player in the 11 and then COVID happens. Take me through that experience, just all the energy you poured into preparing for that tour. And then when you get the news, what was it like for you, not just from the standpoint of being unable to play and contribute in the way that you wanted to on the field, but just mentally what that does to affect somebody. Yeah. Like before, before that tour, I, I, I had just come back from New Zealand and it was a hard tour in New Zealand where, you know, ball wasn't spinning much. Um, I didn't get to play in the T20, T20 games. Played a few um, few first-class games where, you know, we got hammered. Um, you know, so I really was looking forward to going to Bangladesh where the ball was spinning. And I felt as though that I was a lot more consistent coming out of New Zealand because... You know, with the ball not spinning, I had to be a lot more consistent and a little bit more patient. But you know, going going into Bangladesh with the bowling form that I had, you know, I was really looking forward to hit the ground running. Um, but then you know, COVID happened. That just you know hit me left field. Yeah, I was I was really disappointed. I remember looking, I was watching the first game. And I see Akil Hussein come on, and the first ball he bowls rags again, rags past the bat. I, I literally just turned off the TV after that. I was like, Shh. <sighs> no, I'm not gonna. This is really disappointing, you know. Um, but you know, the 
you know, being in Bangladesh, it it was hard, but I think the hardest part was going back to going back to Antigua and not really performing because, you know, I was really undercooked. Um, you know, I was sitting, I sat a whole month in quarantine. I had two days of practice going into the Super 50. You know, I went into that first match being, I just remember being really, really sore and it just wasn't working out for me. So, you know, I think not having the best Super 50 after that, I was, you know, I was quite disappointed and but being being the World Cup year, I I was saying, you know what, all right, let me let's it's not working out right now. Let's just sit back and just work a little bit more and you know, hopefully my opportunity will come sometime soon. You took seven wickets in six matches in that super fifty tournament. What did it take to go from that kind of performance to the level of performance you produced against Australia? Lots of practice, you know. I actually stayed back after Super 50. I was a net bowler, pretty much, for the Sri Lanka series. So I bowled to the T20 guys, I bowled to the one-day guys. I stayed back for the test. I'm sure you saw me field for the test team, you know. But, you know, in the background, I was still doing my work. I was still working on my bowling and that stuff. So it took a lot of patience because... Seeing the team that you were in and, you know, you're not in it, it was really tough being there and not being in the team. I, re- I really thought, like, coming out of New Zealand, I was in such good form. So, you know, I felt as though, you know, I got robbed a little bit from COVID because if it weren't for COVID, I would have I played in Bangladesh. And I can't tell you that I would have I gotten the world of wickets, but I, th- I, I had high hopes of doing well there i really try to be resilient and try to you know get back up from all my all my fallings today's edition of the stars and stripes cricket podcast presented by dream cricket is also sponsored by musa cricket stadium the first and original turf wicket facility in the state of texas located at 5515 mckeever road in Perwin, just five miles off the bailey road exit from state route 288 a half hour south of downtown houston musa cricket stadium includes fully enclosed locker rooms and change rooms plus shower facilities after your day's play as well as outdoor nets for all your training needs aside from the main turf stadium ground there is now a second ground at the facility open for use for more information call Call 713-534-2195. Moose Cricket Stadium in Pearland, Texas. One other obstacle throughout all this process is quarantine life. And somebody who's who's been through it, whether COVID enforced or the bio bubble atmosphere and being confined and restricted in terms of a lot of the activities that you can and cannot do, I find to be quite remarkable. And I have a lot of respect for the players who have gone through it because it's not easy just reading about it externally and i can't imagine what it's like going through it especially for somebody like you who people are not aware you've got a couple of young kids you've got a young family being away for an extended period of time even when you're theoretically at home in the west indies you're not really at home being away from st kids and being away from your kids and your family under normal circumstances i can't imagine is easy on tour and touring life but then having to be in an enforced restricted zone in what is theoretically supposed to be a home environment, you're you're still not allowed to see your family or do things that you would typically be able to experience. So just from a personal standpoint, I'm curious what that has been like for you and what kind of challenges you have had to face and the difficulties you've experienced 
to try and maintain your focus on cricket when you're not able to do a lot of the day-to-day family things that you would want to be able to do? I mean, like, you know, I was telling someone actually going to play cricket and going to practice and just being on the field is actually my getaway from just, you know, just being inside of the hotel and being inside of my room. Yeah, it's it's really tough. I don't think there's any, I don't know, but being in a bubble is it's just so hard because uh, you're not able to go out. You're not able to separate yourself from everything around you. Usually in, um, you know, in normal times, let's say you have a rest day, you can go and go exploring or you can, you know, go have dinner at a restaurant. But it's now it's just like you're eating out of, you know, food boxes all the time. And yeah, it's, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it life at all, for sure. You know, I really wish that we could find a solution. And yeah, well, um. I could I all I know it's it's really tough on me mentally like it's it's a 24/7 thing it is no like get away from okay well I can't go in I can't go into the supermarket and pick up a few things I have to get someone to get it for me the thing is it's just no getting away from it and that is just the hardest part so me playing cricket and me, you know, going to practice and all that stuff, I'm actually, you know, happy with playing cricket because it just helps me to get away from, um, you know, bubble life. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't wish it on my, on my worst enemy. One of the things that I found quite astonishing was the reaction that the Sri Lankan board had on the players who went out one night for a cigarette break, I guess it was in England, and they were sent home from the tour, and there was a huge drama around that, and they wound up being suspended for more than a year is the end result. And I think there's a false perception of players need to be quarantined, or players need to be in a bio bubble because, well, they're superstar athletes, and after a, a day or of practice or a night of, of a game or whatever, after a game ends, well, there's this idea that, oh, they're going to go partying, or they're going to go to a nightclub, or they're going to go out on the town and, and go wild and go crazy. And it's not about that. It's literally fundamental day-to-day life being denied yeah. in terms of just, like you said, going out for a walk, going out to get food, just going out and decompressing, having yeah. something to do to just get your mind off of the task at hand. And instead you're staring at four walls for the entire time that you're not on a cricket field. If you had a recommendation for cricket officials as to why bio bubbles should cease going forward, what would be your number one reason that you would offer to any cricket administration official internationally as to why bio bubbles are unsustainable regardless of the state of the COVID pandemic wherever a tour is being hosted? I think I think it it would definitely be mental health. If someone if one is not very strong mentally, things could go. You know, we've seen players in the IPL say, "Well, you know, I can't really handle this. I'm going home." And it's 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 literally just that your mental health is just like so downgraded when you're in a bubble. That I think that's the reason. Like. 
even like I don't think bubbles are getting easier either. I was telling my friend like from the first day for this bubble, I just from being out to being in, I'm already just not on this the level anymore. Um, because you just feel so confined and you just feel so helpless at times. You know, good thing this is not such a tight bubble, but you, you just feel as though you, you're not free. It just plays with your mental health and you really have to be mentally strong to be able to cope with that on a day-to-day basis. So what do you do to cope with it on a day-to-day basis to make it manageable? At the start of the bubble, like I remember I used to work out a little bit. I started painting. When you say work out a little bit, I mean, is that literally in your room? You're just doing push-ups and sit-ups and trying to be creative with what you've got in your hotel yeah. room? Yeah, for sure. Doing those exit like push-ups, sit-ups, squats, all of that stuff. I have I walk around with bands so in case we get you know lock, in the middle we get locked down. You know, I can probably just do a little workout by myself. But I've found like those things are just starting to get monotonous, and I'm starting to. <laughs> Like, all right, you know, I need to find something else. <laughs> but, you know, I haven't ever had, like, a, a formula or anything that, you know, really keeps me in check. <laughs> There's you say, you say painting. I'm curious about that. I find that fascinating. And so, were you a painter before all this started? Well, or is it something that you picked up as a new hobby? I wasn't, I wasn't a painter before. And, but a friend of mine, in, like, introduced me to it. So, yeah. Not necessarily introduced, but I saw them do it, and I was like, oh, let me try doing that. And then I, you know, I got interested in it, and it became it became fresh and new. But you know, now I'm I walk around with the paint stuff, and I'm like, ah, no, nah, I don't want to paint. <laughs> but I was I was never a painter, and I just kind of got into it, you know, seeing seeing a friend do it, and I'm okay at it. I'm not like the best. <laughs> I I paint what is on my mind or how I feel, or I would like go on Pinterest and try to re- recreate other people's paintings and that stuff in in my own head and you know in my own way. I don't think there's like anything that right now like right now I've been trying to read a book, but <laughs> I really have like I I've gotten to opening the book. I've actually read like a paragraph. And then I'm like, all right, <laughs> this is boring. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 tough, but hopefully when the games start, you don't really have much time to think about, you know, just sitting in a room and you know, not doing anything. But once you're like in quarantine and not doing anything, that is when it gets real dull. Hearing you talk about this, I'm thinking to myself, the worst possible thing that could happen in a situation like this must have been all the rainouts in the Pakistan series because you're so looking forward to playing yeah. and so looking forward to getting out of your cell. <laughs> and then the match yeah. gets straight off and it's like, oh, geez, I got to go yeah. back to it. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that period was okay because we were coming towards the end. But if it was like the middle, then I, I don't know how I, how, how I would have coped with it because I was looking forward to playing and it was a new team. And we, and we lost the first, well, we lost the first game, so we were looking forward to 
you know, winning another game, but you know, the rains came and we yeah, we're disappointed, but I'm I'm glad that it, it was at the end of the that period. So I was just looking forward to getting out of the bubble. You've got T twenty World Cup coming up for the West Indies. It's something that you weren't able to get to do for the USA, but you've got a big objective there as the defending champions with West Indies, you coming to the squad and now figuring to play a pivotal role aside from obviously wanting to win and repeat and make and defend the title for the West Indies. What are some of your other goals that you're hoping to achieve either on a personal level or as a team at that event in UAE? I haven't, I haven't necessarily set out like goals, but for me to play like a role, just being there to, you know, just playing that spinner role and playing that role where I come in and take wickets or if, if I'm not taking wickets, keep things tight and, you know, in the field, you know, just really going out in, in, into that environment and showing out, that is just what I'm thinking about now. You know, that's the world stage. That's where everyone is going to be looking. For me, just going there and, you know, executing and, Per, um, results aren't guaranteed, but you know, once I go there and perform, and you know, you can see well, okay, Hayden is this in the team, and you need Hayden to be there because you know he's gonna get you a couple of wickets, save a few runs in the field, and probably smack a few at the end. That is what I'm I'm looking forward to, and also you know, winning the World Cup with the Gales and the Bravo and the Pollards. I'm really looking forward to doing that on, on, on the biggest stage. How much of an impact do you think it will be on your experience, the fact that you were able to tour there with the USA and play a number of matches in Dubai, practice in Sharjah, and get exposed to some of those conditions rather than just going there blind in a sense and having it be your first touring experience in the UAE? having that experience with USA it's it's definitely was needed and you know going into that tournament no I don't feel like if well you know I've, I'm in the wilderness I, I know what to expect I know how the wickets play I know how the weather is and all that stuff so you know it's just one of those things where okay I'm gonna I'm gonna go and this is what I need to do and I know I need to this this is how I need to go about things, you know. So having that experience with the U.S., yeah, I think it's it it plays a big role. Before that, you got the CPL as your lead into the T20 World Cup. Your play of the tournament 2019 for Barbados Tridents, 2020 not quite as successful. You've got an opportunity to turn around your previous season's form now with the Barbados Royals. <laughs> what are you hoping to do this time around that you feel you didn't quite achieve in 2020? Going into CPL now, I'm just looking to, you know, also play, just play my role again, whatever it is. I'm just looking forward to putting in a strong performance and cementing my place into the, the, the T20 World Cup team. Um, of course, it hasn't been picked yet. So I'm I'm sure every everybody is still up for grabs going into CPL um, so you know I just want to go and you know dominate like how I dominated against Australia what's the number one thing you want people to remember about you when your career is finished 
I I love to I love battles. I love if if I'm on the back foot, just know that I'm I'm never going to let you kick me when I'm down. I'm gonna even though I'm on the ground and you have your foot on me, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to push your foot off of me and come back hard. I just want people to remember me as a a fighter, a hard worker, and just gritty. Now you mean a lot of those things figuratively, and I know you you're, you got a broad smile on your face for most of this interview, but you got some big guns, man. I wouldn't want to get into a, <laughs> a, a fight with you. <laughs> no, um, and no. what is what is, goes into the Hayden Walsh Jr. workout regimen to get no. arms like like you've got? You just need a good iPhone camera to 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 blow it up. <laughs> <laughs> Time for the favorite 11. I want to remind everybody that the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast is presented by Dream Cricket. Dream Cricket Pavilion Shop can help you fill up all your cricket kit requirements from top-of-the-line English willow bats made by all the top manufacturers, as well as helmets, gloves, pads, jerseys, highlight DVDs, books, and more. Get 10% off all orders over $400 using coupon code DCUSA. That's DCUSA. Go to shop.dreamcricket.com to take advantage of that offer today. Dream Cricket Academy is located at 400 Apgar Drive, in Somerset, New Jersey, just a mile off of Exit 12 on Interstate 287. For more information, call 908-938-3787 or email cricket at dreamcricket.com. Favorite 11 time, Hayden Wallace Jr., you ready to rock and roll? Favorite 11, let's go. Who is your favorite roommate on any cricket tour that you've ever been on? Roy Silva. Roy <laughs> Silva, the USA. Tell me why Roy Silva. It was cool. He was. If he's gonna hear this, and he's gonna go straight to Facebook and post it on Facebook. Walsh <laughs> Junior's favorite ever roommate <laughs> likes and and hearts and shares. Yeah, I, I I don't know. He he was a cool guy. He um yeah he always looked out for me and he always like we would sometimes move together. I actually went to see him at his house one time after I think Division Two. Yeah, he was just he was just cool. Who is your favorite athlete in the Walsh family? Not the best. Who's your favorite <laughs> athlete? Uh, I would say I would say my brother. To hear. Yeah, yeah. Why is he your favorite in the Walsh family? because uh, he, you know, he's been on, like he has everything. If you see, he's like almost six foot, and he has muscles up to his ears and. I was thinking, man, if I have that kind of um, that kind of talent, I could hit the ball far and bowl 90 miles per hour. <laughs> What's your favorite cricket ground that you've ever experienced around the world? Around the world, I would say I would say seeing Brian Lara made making 400. I actually saw that live, and you know that that atmosphere like it always brings goosebumps you know up to my skin and I can hear like the crowd just going wild and everybody just jumping up and seeing him I I think it was a sweep sweep um the ball behind square and people just running all over that was just such an experience ARG yeah so the old ARG and you would have been how old at this time at the ARG um, I probably would have been like probably about twelve or eleven years old. It feels so fresh in my memory. Just seeing like I think before that the the 
the over before that, or a couple of overs before that, he he um ran on the wicket and hit Garrett Batty for two sixes over over like out the pavilion, out the out the ground. And you know, just seeing him just construct that innings was just so like amazing to see. Aside from all the stuff your father did, bonus question, aside from all the stuff your father did, what did that experience do in terms of inspiring you to wanna go on and be an international cricketer? Yeah, for sure. For, from that definitely did cement my 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 aspirations of being a cricketer and, you know, being able to do something like that on the field and being able to make the crowd go wild and make noise like that. That definitely did cement my um my my aspirations. Your favorite place to eat out on tour? <laughs> mm, maybe a TGI Friday. I've been I've been to quite a few TGIs. I and I remember just before COVID going to TGI Friday in Sri Lanka, and you know that would just be our go-to spot to have just a group of guys. Just do you have a go-to menu item at TGI Fridays? Um, I think it would be the steak. Your favorite cricketer of all time? Shane Warren. That's how we know you're truly a leg spinner at heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> your favorite non-cricket athlete of all time? And you can't, uh, you can't say your brother because you've already said him. <laughs> I would say Usain Bolt because he's just a superhuman. Putting aside the inter-island rivalries by picking a Jamaican as your favorite athlete. For sure. Usain Bolt. <laughs> your favorite pizza topping? Spinach. Popeye pizza. Where does the spinach <laughs> come from? <laughs> Are you a Coke or a Pepsi guy? Coke. <laughs> Good answer. It's the only answer. Only acceptable answer <laughs> on this show. If you could play for the USA national team in cricket, which USA national team would you have most wanted to play for in a different sport? Uh, rugby. Rugby. Rugby sevens. Rugby's yeah. in the Olympics ahead of cricket. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I'm about rugby. Your favorite movie of all time? Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. That is classic. <laughs> You have, do you have a favorite mo- line from Forrest Gump? I can almost recite the movie by heart. What's your <laughs> Run, Forrest, run. <laughs> Definitely one of the most quotable lines, of course, in the movie. <laughs> Last but not least, your favorite show to binge watch, whether it's on Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, Paramount Plus, DVD box set. What's your go-to binge watch show to help you get through the days? I would say Narcos. Narcos on Netflix. Yeah. What makes Narcos must-see television for you? <laughs> I don't know, like Pablo Escobar. His his character is just so. As much as he's such a bad guy, he, he just why why can't you not like him? <laughs> Hayden Wallace Jr.'s favorite eleven. Thank you very much, Hayden, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And I'll give you the final word. Anything you want to say that you haven't already said that people should know about you, your journey, or anything else, cricket or non-cricket, that you want to share? I think they, I think, I think they know enough for now. Stay tuned. <laughs>
Awesome. Hayden Walsh Jr., thank you for coming on the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. One of the most likable guys I've ever met in cricket around the world, and it's hard not to root for him to succeed. Hayden Walsh Jr., wherever he goes, whether it's with USA, Barbados Royals, or the West Indies, hopefully to the T20 World Cup in the UAE. Whatever he does on the field is just a testament to hard work, sheer resilience, one of the words that he used, and willpower to just keep on fighting. He summed it up so perfectly. When his career is done, he wants to be remembered as a fighter, and that's exactly what he does on the field day in and day out, and it's led to him achieving some incredible results, both for USA and for the West Indies, and also in franchise cricket as well. And we wish Hayden Walsh Jr. all the success in the world. I want to remind everybody you can subscribe to the podcast in video form on YouTube as well as in audio form via Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and plenty of other podcasting platforms. Until next time, I'm Peter Dalpena reminding everybody God bless America and God bless American cricket. <laughs>